Ho, ho, ho. And welcome to our special Christmas edition of the pod. We have an exclusive interview with someone who could become the world's most powerful man. We remember the victims of one of the most notorious terror attacks. And Mark tells us what he's going to be doing at his office Christmas party. So sit back and relax as we test your general knowledge in the almost 30-minute quiz show. We are starting. Hello, Mark. Are we, are we on? Very, very happy Christmas week. Happy Christmas week to you too. Are we allowed to say that? Why not? Well, I thought you've got to say season's greetings okay. or something. Happy Kwanzaa. Yes. Happy Hanukkah. Yes. Um. How do you do that? I can't do that when I'm saying things. Hanukkah. Can- Chanukkah. 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 Okay. Chanukkah. Yes. Yes, it's, it's almost Christmas. And this is our special Christmas edition of the pod. And I'm feeling very festive. Ho, 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 ho. So, in fact, in our intro a minute ago, uh, it said that you're going to be doing something very strange at your Christmas party this year. I do something strange every year, but that's usually the alcohol talking. Yes, what are you doing? I am going to be Santa Claus for f- about 50 children. Uh, yes. Children of all the staff at the office. What's the ruling on them sitting on your knee? Uh, they can. It's, uh, they're, they're there with their parents. Their parents bring them all a present. And then I have to call them out one by one, and they can have a hug with Santa. They can sit on Santa's knee, or they run off crying, which is usually the. Two. I would imagine but they get their picture taken with me, or Santa, because I won't be me. Obviously, I'll be Santa. Have you got a beard? Have I got a beard? Oh, uh, not yeah. normally. I've but got like, some stubble. Yeah, I was going to. You're going quite grey, so you may as well just yeah, I, do I, it I've, yourself. I've left it till now to make my debut when my hair has gone white enough that I don't <laughs> need the wig on top. So before we get on with uh, the questions, give us a ho-ho-ho one more time. Ho-ho-ho. That's quite convincing, I imagine. <laughs> Let's get on to uh, this week's questions. As you know, we Before that, pose... though, should we oh. tell everybody where they can listen to us? Or should we do that afterwards? Because we always forget. Well, we'll let's do it afterwards, because I already started saying... Oh, did, I, did I interrupt? You in, you, yes, you ruined my flow. Yeah, you've had words with me about You that. ruined and my flow. back into my corner now. Anyway, so um, we pose five questions. Oh, oh, After oh. the questions, we suggest that you hit the pause button, try to answer the questions yourself, and then spend Stay about bells, 20 minutes, spend about 20 minutes uh. listening to us discussing the answers to the questions. Question number one this week. Who is richer, Michael Bloomberg or Donald Trump. And before we get on to question two, we have to say that for question one, we have an extremely, extremely important guest who's going to be uh, answering that question We're for very us. Very honoured. Very honoured. One of the most important people in the world right now. Well, on our show anyway. Uh, yes. Okay. Question number two, Mark. Question two. Which airline's former terminal is now a chic hotel at JFK Airport? And number three. Doctor, doctor. I feel like a pair of wigwams. What's wrong with me? I always get the dodgy question. Question number four, what is a digisexual? And question number five, which soccer coach has told his team not to score? We'll be back with the answers. See, see you've done it now. I'm supposed to do the... Oh, listen. See, but make it very quick. <laughs> oh, oh, hurry my bit, eh? Yeah. Your bit's important. I'm telling you why, because we've got a massively long interview coming up and we need to fit everything in in under 30 so this minutes. This might be the more than 30 minute show yes, this week. Yes, so Christmas get, on, special. We're get on with it, Santa. Stop waffling. Um, you can listen to us on all major podcast providers. So download any app you want and we will be there. The almost 30-minute quiz show available on Stitcher, Google Podcasts, iTunes, CastBox and many other. Spotify, I think, as well. Apparently, the most important word you're meant to use at this point is subscribe. Yes. I was getting to that one. But let's delay it further. going to hit me again, aren't you? Ow! <laughs> Sorry. 
sorry. That was very loud down the microphone. Subscribe as well. And you can contact us on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, or on our email, almost30quiz at gmail.com. Drum roll, please. And welcome back. Question number one was, which presidential candidate has the greatest wealth, Bloomberg or Donald Trump? David, the answer is? I believe it's Bloomberg. It is Bloomberg. But he, does he talk about it as much as Donald Trump does? Um, possibly. Well, I mean, he has his name on everything. So when you have a TV channel, you yes, have your name you on it. I, I suppose that, that's you talking about it, but in a different way. Anyway, that was a very, very brief discussion of the question because? Because on a almost 30-minute quiz exclusive, and for the first time ever, we're doing a live interview with a US presidential candidate. Delighted that he's actually in the room with us, and his name is Candidate Everyone. Yes. It's a very serious name. Obviously not a pseudonym. It's my birth name. Um, my <coughs> parents had particular aspirations for me. W was the name none of the above taken? Because I... I've just, just tell us how people vote in America. It's, it's well, not like you, you it's have to write in my name. But eventually, if this actually becomes relevant to anybody, uh, then they might be able to work out what my real name is. But for now, I'm going with candidate everyone because it's a lot more fun. See, I would have gone with none of the above, or <laughs> I don't want to choose any of these because you're going to get half that's, a dozen that's votes. That's actually what it is. Yes. Yeah. Tell us about the process of running to be president. Well, I mean, the normal process of running to be president is you raise a lot of money. And when you raise a lot of money, you have to register with the Federal Election Commission, and then you can seek to be on ballots in different states and go through this whole process of being selected as one of the candidates for one of the parties. There are a couple major parties, some minor parties no one cares about. Uh, and then there's the other process. You can just be written in for president. Uh, and the rule is if you're going to run for president in that situation and, and not report yourself and file proper filing to the Federal Election Commission, you're just not allowed to spend over $5,000. So my goal is to campaign for less than $5,000, and so far, I've spent fourteen. Fourteen dollars. Fourteen dollars. Yes. And how's the fundraising going? It's 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 uh, running very very well. My you're, wife. You're, you're not going to hit the five thousand dollar target. My so wife has approved fourteen dollars a month, uh, and we'll see. Uh, maybe I can get a boost from the family budget uh, if it goes particularly well. Why did you decide to run? At the end of the day, I'm assuming, with respect, you're not going to be the next president of the United States. Historically. It's come from well, the Well, after it's on the show, it could go viral. Absolutely. So you never know. But, but we're talking Democrats, Republicans. Why? Why try to challenge that aristocracy of American politics? Do you want a serious answer? No. <laughs> Great. So basically, if you look at the field today, there's a tremendous opportunity. Because who would you want to vote for? You can look at it in British politics. You've got either a clown or a communist. So I can be a communist clown and I can take the whole field. So is that how you would describe yourself, a communist? I, I'm not actually a communist, but I am a clown. Uh, and so I got half the puzzle covered. Uh, my policies are unique and different from anybody else's out there, which is part of the reason I think there's a huge vacuum. You've got this huge divide between left and right, and then you have wishy-washy people in the middle who stand for nothing. Uh, and I've decided to take another track, and I think it'd be kind of fun to do. So if you're not left and not right and not in the middle, where are you? I'm on my own tangent. It's a whole lot of fun. Give us a couple of your key policies. That, that 
are going to get people out there voting for candidate everyone. Okay, so one policy that uh, bothers everybody around the world in different forms is healthcare. You either have the U.S. system, which is obnoxiously expensive and people can't afford it, uh, and you end up with tremendous problems of continual cost rises. And, and or, it's part of the U.K. election at the moment is U.S. healthcare and the worry that the U.K. may become like that. And the U.K. has its own issues. You have problems with lack of availability. Uh, you certainly have problems. I lived in Australia. I lived in London. I've lived in other places as well. Uh, and you have a lack of availability. But also, the U.S. drives global innovation in healthcare because they pay so much for new things. And if you stop that, then all of a sudden, pretend we stopped it 50 years ago, we'd be stuck with 1970s healthcare. And we've gained a lot and learned a lot in that time. And so my policy on healthcare is that the median cost of treating a disease, we'd be able to identify the disease and bring in compounding factors with a model, the, everybody who got diagnosed with that disease would get that amount of budget to spend on their own health care from the government, single payer. If they spend more, it comes out of their own pockets, and if they spend less, they can keep up to 5% of the savings. And because of that, they'll be shopping around and using market forces to drive down the cost of health care improve outcomes, and also have it be universally available. And so that kind of model, I think, is the kind of thing that is neither left nor right nor in the middle, but can end up having tremendous benefits. And that's really the reason that I'm running. The two things that people universally vote on are health and wealth. How are you going to make people feel wealthy? Just having money doesn't make you feel wealthy. What makes you feel wealthy is creating things and earning money and having the fulfillment of that activity. Uh, and so I have a very complex tax policy that you don't want to hear about because it'll make everyone go to sleep. But nonetheless, the idea is, is that we, we supplement people earning income uh, instead of simply uh, giving a handout. And by virtue of doing that, we can enable people to engage in the fulfilling process of earning money. Uh, and the idea is not to tax the creation of money and the earning of money, but to tax consumption that is not connected uh, either to charity or to creating more wealth. So, it, I mean, there's an American candidate talking about giving everybody a thousand, is it a thousand dollars a month? Um, Yang? I could certainly imagine, yeah. There's a lot of but, very but interesting American You're saying you, you have you to do top something. Up. You top up, yeah. You basically, your initial bit of earnings, your initial bit of spending each month gets boosted by 100%. Let's say your first $10 becomes 100 uh, when you're shopping at the supermarket. And then as you spend more, that boost turns into a reverse. Uh, it turns into a tax. Uh, and so you end up with a situation in which you, you, in which you help people out at the bottom, uh, and then it turns into a tax over time. And you're not actually taxing people making money. You're taxing people who are spending a lot of money. But it's not a consumption tax or a sales tax that punishes the poor. I thought this was supposed to be a funny show. Okay. So here's a funny question. You're um, elected president, everyone, and the first day there's a red button put in front of you and somebody says to you, oh, we don't like those nasty Chinese or Russians or Italians or... If he's a clown and there's a red button, does the, the, the thing come out at the end of the missile with like a piece of paper saying bang? So is, is the red button there just because people are trying to test what I do with it? It's kind of a, yeah. a personality yeah. test. I, I might press it. It would be kind of fun. Um, but, so it would be a lot of fun to be you know, the, the leader of the most powerful military in the history of humankind. So that's obviously a little, hopefully, a little further down the road than what we're dealing with now. I actually think Trump wouldn't do anything. He's kind of the inverse of, uh, of Theodore Roosevelt. He, he talks very loudly and carries a tiny stick. Don't tell his wife I said that. Um, and so what you end up with is... Uh, is He's only got small hands. <laughs> small hands, that's right. Yeah, we don't have to worry about the stick. Uh, so what you end up with is uh, Trump may not be uh, the most effective response in that situation. Uh, but that is a, a particularly interesting uh, problem. And what you end up with is, I think, uh, there's a real need for messaging. You have to make it extremely clear that you will react to that sort of thing totally out of proportion. 
Uh, if somebody t engages in an aggressive nuclear activity like that, it has to be understood that there will be nothing left afterwards. The environment. <laughs> uh, have you got your Are you going to become the Greta Thunberg of America? I don't think you guys are being very nice to me. Uh, no, I don't think I'm going to manage to be the Greta Thunberg of America. Wow, the environment. That's a question I try to avoid. Uh, basically, my policy is avoid talking about anything serious because then people will pin you down uh, and you won't be able to make them happy. Yeah, so, the uh, makings of a very good politician. <laughs> that's absolutely right. Yeah, you have, to, you have to avoid saying anything meaningful. Yeah. How many people are going to vote for you? So far, I have three. <laughs> I, I, I would vote for him, and I think, Mark, maybe you would. I would if I was in America. Exactly. I'm afraid we're British. Shame you're not running in the UK elections. I want to have a job that matters. <gasps> Ouch. <laughs> Thank you very much, Candidate Everyone. And if people want to know more about Candidate Everyone, how can they do so? Visit my campaign headquarters at candidateeveryone.com. I think it's costing a dollar a month. Is that your 14? You can go until after the election on $14. I can go for seven years, or $14 a week. It's a, it's a very, very good number. <laughs> Thanks for your time. Drum roll, please. <laughs> and welcome back to the quiz. And after all of that uh, politics, I'm afraid for a minute we're actually going to stay in a serious vein. But first, the question. Mark, which airline's former terminal is now a chic hotel at JFK Airport? Um, I've seen pictures of this one, so I know the answer. It's um, TWA. Um, I don't know if people remember TWA, Trans World Airlines, I think they were, which is one of the major American operators, no longer flying. In fact, most of the ones from that era, Laker, and the one we we're about to talk about now is Pan Am. Yes, exactly. Um, it's now uh, pretty much to the day that we are airing this, the 31st anniversary of Pan Am Flight 103. Um, now, obviously, there was Pan Am Flight 103 every day, but the one that we're talking about in particular uh, was the largest ever terror attack in terms of numbers of people killed um, in the United Kingdom. When a plane that was taking off from Frankfurt to Detroit, and as you were saying before we came on air, in those days, planes very often made multiple stops. So this plane was flying Frankfurt, London, New York, Detroit. And on the leg from London to New York, just a few minutes, what, about an hour or so? Probably 40 minutes. Uh, yeah, yeah, after takeoff, um, a bomb was detonated uh, over uh, the Scottish town, southern Scottish town of Lockerbie. 16 crew, 243 passengers were killed and 11 people on the ground because uh, a large part of the fuselage uh, crashed onto a residential area in Lockerbie. One person eventually uh, was found guilty and served a, a jail term for, gosh, about uh, 10 years or so, um, but was then released um, because he had prostate cancer and he died in May 2012. But I probably talked too much. There are still questions as to who actually was behind all of this. And I haven't mentioned Libya um, in my introduction. Yeah. I mean, Abdul Basit al-Magrahi, who was the person that was convicted, was supposedly a secret service agent for the Libyans. And he was handed over along with another colleague um, by Colonel Gaddafi at the same point as admitting guilt for this. Um, this was part, I think, of an exercise of Libya trying to modernize itself and bring itself back to the Western world. And, mm -hmm. um, it, you know, it, it's probably very difficult for the relatives to see 20 years later the person that Absolutely. supposedly was involved with this bombing, although Gaddafi maintained that he never ordered it. 
um, and it was the Secret Service that did it, shaking hands with prime ministers. Um, there were certain people that were shaking hands with Gaddafi long before this reapproachment, but um, you know, he, there he was 20 years ago with all the world's leaders and being seen as a major reformer. Mm. The people of Libya then felt went very different differently and, and killed him in the streets. As it took 11 years for Gaddafi to hand over the, the two men in the first place, and as we said, just uh, al-Magrahi being found guilty. In 2003, so we're talking 15 years after the bombing, Gaddafi accepted responsibility and did pay compensation to the families, uh, even though, like you said, he never gave the order, and it probably really was part of the attempt for him to be re integrated yeah. into the international community. I mean, I mean, you would think if he paid that money, there was some guilt. I mean, if there was nothing going on in Libya, they wouldn't have admitted it. I mean, part some of the families have found through research they think it was other terrorist organizations, but I, I, I wouldn't see him t taking responsibility for something he didn't do, even if it, even if it right. then turns out to be what it was. Do you remember where you were when it happened? Uh, this is one of those moments where I do actually remember the story. No. Uh, 20th of December 1988. Uh, no, I don't. I was a student in in Manchester at the time. Um, I probably was. No, I was too. Yeah. Um, I, I remember I was volunteering at a children's camp. It was just before Christmas. Um, we were waiting for maybe 100, 120 overprivileged children to turn up for for camp. And I just remember waking up in a freezing cold morning in this in this school boarding area just listening to the radio and absolutely shocked. Mm. I mean, now, probably 30 years later, planes being blown up doesn't tend to shock anybody anymore, which is probably the sadder thing. Um, but, yeah, yep. no, it was, it was quite a, an emotional <laughs> thing to wake up and hear that. On that uh, sad note, we're going to go to a break. When we come back, I promise you, it will be much more the joie de vivre. Question number three. Ho, ho, ho. And let's try and cheer it up a bit. Doctor, doctor, I feel like a pair of wigwams. What's wrong with me? Go on. I have no idea. I'm terrible at these. This is your problem. You're too tense. Pair of too, wigwams. Too, too tense. tense. Very clever. Thank oh. you very much indeed. Which so. bring, brings us very nicely, of course, onto our listicle for this week, uh, in which we're going to feature uh, unfortunately named... Nominative, through nominative determinism. Pretty much, but then we just got really silly about yes. the silliest names. Silliest names of doctors. Yeah, and, th and this was inspired by a friend of ours who'd just been to see his doctor, Dr. Chemo. <laughs> we have <laughs> to say, he wasn't on an, an oncologist. oncologist, yes, but still. Um, so from Dr. Chemo, Mark, do you want to take us away with the, uh, the next one? Yeah. Dr. Wiener, who is a friendly caring doctor specializing in urinary tract disorder. Super. Which it's only an American slang, that isn't it? Wiener. It's not. Yeah, we don't say wiener in our neck of the woods. Well, I suppose you come for a sausage, but even then you wouldn't. Yeah. yeah. Schnitzel. Um, there is a surgical registrar with an interest in trauma and humanitarian surgery, whatever that is, by the name of Dr. Henry Death. My local dentist from Maryland is called Dr. Isaac Filler. We have a physician surgeon by the name of Dr. Dick L Long. It's Dick, Dick, Dick L. Long. But, but the on the side it says Dick, Dick Long. Long. Yes. It's not a plastic surgeon, at least. Yes. yes, and we've got a live audience here with a very silly grin on her face. And then Dr. William Hardman from the Hardman Gynecology Center. Appropriate. And I get uh, a uh, 
Dr. Blow Me, but I don't know what his, or her. It's only from his car parking space. Yes, yes, or yeah, her. I'm, I'm sure it might be pronounced Blome, but Dr. Yeah, blow bloom, me. Blow me, blow me, blow me, but Dr. Yes. Blow me. The unfortunately named plastic surgeon, Dr. Robert G. Acock, or Robert Gaycock. And at uh, the Mount Pleasant Medical Practice, the internal medicine practice of, the, of Dr. Faris P. Achu. Bless you. Thank you very much indeed. And here's another dentist for you, Dr. Pepper. There's actually a Dr. Pepper, the dentist. But it's not rude. No, but it's funny. Ir irony. Oh, uh, okay. Sugar, drinks, fizzy drinks, dentist. Do I have to do the last one? No, we can do it together. But okay, like, well, let's know. do it together. On the count of three, like we normally do. This is, this is taking off a sign on a badge at a conference. One, two, two three. three. Dr. Dr. B.J. Harddick. <laughs> Question number four. What is a digisexual? I have absolutely no idea whatsoever. Um, well, sexual, obviously, like homosexual, heterosexual, um, butterfly sexual. I can't think of any others. Are there any others? I'm, I'm just wondering why you did that voice. I don't know. But okay, so sexual is that. And diggy. Digi. Digi is either digit on your finger, digit a number, or digital. Yeah. So, well, thankfully, it's not digit as finger because that right. could lead to an interest. Well, Digisexual is somebody, I think, who has sex with electronic things and robots and others. That's nice. Yes. There's a word for it. Digisexual. Yes. That's. I, oh God. Well, why, why have we written down this question? You wrote. I can't. Question. I really, 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 really can't remember. But there was an article in the um, uh, upmarket British newspaper, The Sun, that was talking about the fact that. Um, sex dolls and sex robot reviews are becoming all the rage, particularly on YouTube. So I thought for our review section this week, we thought for our review section this week. <laughs> my, my, my mouth is wide open at the moment. At the thought Behave. So um, here are some reviews. I think we're going to read out six that we have found across the interweb. Uh, would you like to go first? I'll go first. These are all five-star reviews, I think, by the way. Yes. They? Yeah, they're all top reviews. Uh, most of them from people called Anonymous, strangely enough. Um, same physique as the SO1A and SO2A, but with removable feet. <laughs> Romantic. <laughs> um, I like the bust chest on this figure, and I do plan on purchasing another one. But the figure I got the silicon on its left shoulder, it's slightly torn. And I just literally pulled it out of the box. I would show pics, but I'm at work at the moment. <laughs> Why would you hide something like this? Brooke is a perfect treat for big breast lovers. She is tall enough, moderately weighted, and perfectly moulded in her big booty. Highly recommended for big ass lovers. You cannot ignore her pouty lips if you're standing in front of her. I owned six sex dolls from multiple suppliers, but was not fully satisfied by the booty of any of these dolls. Then I ordered Brooke, and it became the first sex doll, which finally met all my requirements. The attention to detail is incredible, and the big jugs are irresistible. You're going to order a Brooke now, aren't you, Mark? <laughs> not after the next one. The stain remover cream completely removed a large black stain. Thank you. <laughs> uh, 
This is perhaps the best purchase I've ever made in such a long time. My doll looks and feels very realistic, and she performs outstandingly well. She's a combination of the Jinsan 172cm H-cup and the 6YE head number N30 Yuan, and looks fantastic. A big thanks goes out to Isaac and the production team at Sexy Sex Doll, who were at hand to guide me every step of the way through a satisfying process. And finally, I'm feeling rather grubby here. <laughs> she, <laughs> she has by far the best breast among her competitors. My bed, I've torn her bra apart and thrown it into the dumpsters. I just love her more without the bra. I just love her more without the bra. Why don't these people get a life and go and record a podcast or something? <laughs> <laughs> see the difference is you laugh silently <laughs> if you can see me now <laughs> he's crying <laughs> well that break came at a very um, convenient time for us calm down so as long as we don't mention <laughs> Sex dolls and robots. However, I have to say, uh, what happened was, as we burst into hysterics and they continued after we hit stop on the record button, we noticed at the bottom of one of the reviews it had a warning for users. Which said, choking hazard, not suitable for under three-year-olds. So there you go. Please take that, um, you know, please take that very seriously, folks out there. Um, we'd hate to have a lawsuit uh, on our part. Uh, right. Talking about on my part. Oh, yes. Question number five. Uh, which football coach manager told his players not to score, Mark? Uh, that would be Antonio Conte of Inter Milan. Tell us more. Oh, strangely, also from that great beacon of British journalism, The Sun, there's a story this week where Inter Milan star Lautaro Martinez has confirmed manager Antonio Conte's advice that his players should put in limited effort when having sex. Conte has always run a tight ship at the helm, including banning his players from eating ketchup. <laughs> but his laces revelation caused quite a stir in a bid to maximise performance on the field. The Italian said, during spells of matches, the players should not have sexual relations that last for long periods. They need to make as little effort as possible. The best position for them is if their partners go on top. And it's preferable that they're with their own wives. They are not obliged to put in an exceptional performance. I'm absolutely speechless. How, how dare he? How dare he get involved in the private lives of his players? You could say that, but you know, it seems to be working because as we record, Inter Milan were top of the table, right. having not been top of the table for years. Okay. Conte's first season. Um, they're doing very well in Europe, so maybe there's some logic to it. Um, Lautaro Martinez who is the star that confirmed it, is having a great season and has so far scored six goals in 11 matches. But none in his own net. Well, his girlfriend well, seems quite upset by it, but I'm sure he's bagged the odd one here or there. Yes, indeed. Um, anyway, on that disturbing note, I think really sad. Um, we should However, I do know something that they could possibly use instead from China. What, a, a robot doll yes. thing? What, for his, to satisfy his wife? Mm -hmm. 
Okay, thank you for that. Um, so, you're obviously a very giving and kind and thoughtful and considerate Father Christmas, aren't you? Ho, ho. Is there anything you'd like to wish everybody on this special Christmas Eve program? For Santa. The, for those of you that are out there, children, press the subscribe button and Santa will help you empty his sack. Ho, ho, ho.